you know, when you really start peeling back the layers, you're like, well, there's not really a system. And, you know, you kind of didn't give enough instruction. And, you know, and so we can get in there as OBMs because it's our superpower is, you know, being a manager. It's really leadership. Get in there and lead the team. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today's guest is Sarah Noked. Uh, she is the founder of Sarah Noked OBM. She is an online business management agency, and she empowers entrepreneurs and creatives in all stages of their business to grow a thriving online business. Sarah works out of her home in Israel, helping entrepreneurs plan and delegate implement the right systems, unite virtual teams across the globe, and grow profits to achieve their goals. As just one of three certified OBM trainers around the world, Sarah shares her passion for online business management through training, certification courses to empower, educate VAs and OBMs worldwide. So I'd like to welcome Sarah to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, Doug, thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm super excited to talk to you. As I shared before we started recording, when uh, Adam first introduced me to you and said, hey, what a what a wonderful person you were and how you helped save his business by systematizing it. I went, yeah, I, my systems kind of suck. So I dove into all your stuff, been following you for weeks, anticipating this conversation. So I'm um, happy to have you share your superpower with our audience today. Oh, I'm, I feel really honored to be here. So thank you. So do you want to just give us an overview of what OBM is for people who don't understand? Yeah, that's that's great. So an, an OBM is an online business manager. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with the virtual assistant world and what a virtual assistant does. And I like to describe an OBM as like a VA on steroids. Um, that's kind of the easiest way to visualize it in a lot of ways. And basically what we do is we help business owners streamline their systems, manage their team, manage operations, uh, manage things like launches. So we're sort of like your clone, if you if you if we want to go there, I, I will help my client. So typically, a business owner will look to bring on an OBM when they are in a certain revenue bracket, when they have a team to manage, and pretty much when they're ready to delegate their day to day operations, they don't really want to necessarily be in their business. They recognize that their time is much better spent focusing on, you know, making sales conversations or or certain creating products, whatever sort of closest to the revenue. I always say, um, so an OBM can really help free up a client's time to focus on what only they can do in their business. Ideally, the point here is to delegate everything that doesn't really require you, the business owner, to do. It's funny. I've often laughed at, 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 you know, probably not very polite, but other people's expense, looking at what, what owners of businesses will do, you know, an owner of a successful development company, a retail store out, out installing rebar as they're pouring concrete for the next building. I'm thinking like, man, this guy, he's got so much great talent, but why is he out there doing like the, the lowest paying job in the whole yeah. 
business he could possibly be doing instead of out generating revenue. So um, totally makes sense. Uh, my systems um, are getting better, but still mm. suck. And, you know, I don't know about our listeners, but I wasn't um, I wasn't familiar with the term OBM and uh, business manager online. I've got some VAs mm-hmm. I'm working with. Some people that are listening um, have a VA or an assistant of some sort. So do you want to kind of walk us through what you consider the low hanging fruit? So, you know, I'm a business owner. I've got a, a small team. Yes. Um, I'm looking to scale up. Where do you normally see the biggest opportunity for people right away for ROI? Project managers. Um, like virtual assistants that can do a degree of project management. So I find that a lot of the times business owners are just really stuck, not so much, not necessarily with the tech setup of things, but they don't really, just like you were saying, you know, the, the business owners stuck doing parts of their business that really don't require them at all. And it's like, well, you know, you need to really take some time and look at everything that you're doing in your business. So in my books, anything that's a recurring task should not be being done by the business owner because in in that case it can be systematized and delegated. Maybe not entirely. Maybe there's still a certain part of it that the business owner, you know, engages in, but the majority of anything that can really be seen as recurring in a business should be delegated. So how does that work um, remote? Like I've worked with, you know, I work and work with remote staff. So in terms of delegating tasks, that makes sense. But you can walk us through what your, uh, what a day would look like for you as, uh, you know, managing those those virtual assistants and the tasks. Yeah, yeah, great. So I'm, you know, even before I kind of get into that, I think the, the part that sort of trips people up is what I lovingly call setting up the virtual office. And I find that this is the thing that really, you know, really prevents business owners from being able to delegate because they haven't sort of set in these four simple pieces. So the first thing is you need to have a project management tool. You need to have a place where all of your recurring tasks live so that if you need to take a step away from your business or a team member is being replaced by somebody else, it's really clear what everybody is doing and working on. So having a project management tool. The second really big thing is having a place where all of your team files live, including standard operating procedures and any any documentation on Um, how your business runs, master files, all that good stuff that lives somewhere like, I love Google Drive. I'm a big Google Drive fan, but Dropbox is great. Box is great. So whatever cloud software you have to save all your documents on, you know, when you're operating in in the virtual climate, everybody's got to be able to access these when they need it. Sure. And then the, the fourth component is having a place where you can talk in real time. So something like Slack, Slack is a great tool, or I'm a Teamwork PM user, so I use Teamwork Chat, but any chat tool, you could even use WhatsApp, but as long as you are using it just for um, like, you know, chatter, like, hey, happy birthday, or hey, just heads up, where where does this stand, you know, those sort of real-time communications, but not to be uh, mistakenly used as a project management tool, which I do sometimes see happen. So being very careful on that part. And then the fourth aspect is having a place where all of your communal passwords live, something like LastPass, where, you know, you have the encrypted, you know, secure ways of sharing passwords with people and you can, you know, revoke access if need be. And once you have those four components set up, it it takes the business to a different level because all of a sudden your business isn't reliant on the people 
who, you know, the, the VA in, you know, Cebu and the developer in New Delhi and the, the copywriter that lives in the States. Suddenly your business isn't, you know, reliant on people. It's reliant on the systems and this virtual office that you have set up. Well, cool. I'm, I'm happy that I can tick off most of the boxes, but I think I would probably get a failing grade on how much I use Slack for project management. Mm. Okay. Well, that's not too bad. <laughs> so, so, you said, so you said you're not really happy with your system. So do you have everything? Like what do your systems look like, Doug? Oh, that, this, that'd be a bad conversation. No, I, I was... <laughs> <laughs> no, so I use um, I use Google Drive Box and and Dropbox depending on the content. So you know, for uh, Dropbox, for example, I use that for all my screenshots. So it's a place for when I take mm. a snap with my phone. If I'm out someplace, it goes into a common file. We use Google Drive for um, all of our documents, SOPs. I was using Teamwork for project management, having trouble getting the team to implement it. I've been looking at a, mm. at another tool, so hence we're heavily relying on Slack right now until we can uh, we can figure out a way to work past it. Um, have used LastPass for a long time, like LastPass, often go into clients' offices and recommend it. And they're usually quite surprised. It's like, oh, I've never heard of that. It's like, well, you can't just be giving mm -hmm. everybody your password for your social media uh, management. Things change, people change. Um, you, let staff, you let staff go and they might say things on social you don't appreciate. I've seen that happen as well. So, mm -hmm. and, and stuff gets stolen in today's day and age. And the last thing you need is somebody like hijacking your Facebook account. It happens to my husband all the time because he's not active on Facebook at all his his account is always getting hijacked and like you're not even you know it's like they're looking for those random passwords floating around it's very funny well that plus you know like you said things get stolen including laptops and phones and the last thing you want mm -hmm. to do is have your your team or team member out there with their laptop with nothing with the password protection on it and have people have immediate access to your entire company oh, a million percent what a, what a nightmare so in terms of um, helping uh, people to scale and get systems, so once you kind of get these four things set up, what are kind of the next steps? So the next steps we really look at are, you know, digging deeper into streamlining the systems. So I just want to sort of take a step back to go talk about teamwork or a project management tool. I find that sometimes team members are, aren't really inclined to use a project management tool because nobody's gone in there and sort of set up all of the recurring. So what I typically do, and this is sort of my secret sauce that I've developed over the years, I will take, I will have all of my team members over a period of maybe two weeks, write down all the recurring tasks that they do. So, you know, whether it be checking client care emails or, you know, scheduling that broadcast or editing the podcast, publishing, whatever, have them record and write down what they're doing and then sit down with them and, and come up with a plan of putting an SOP around each recurring task and around each, and then, you know, those eventually form bigger systems in the business. For example, my client onboarding system is comprising of probably 20 SOPs. Like it's almost overkill. I mean, it's, it makes me chuckle because I love it, but <laughs> it's overkill. I get it. But you know, every, every system in your business comprises of a, of a certain amount of SOPs and then those live in your project management tool and they're actually linked to the SOP in Google Drive. So if Susie, you know, is sick and she can't make it for her you know, her work day, um, I can easily take all of her, I know what she's working on that day, I can take her tasks, and I can put them in someone else's name. And it's clearly linked to the SOP. So there's, 
you know, a good 80% chance it's not going to get completely screwed up. You know, it may not be a hundred percent, but it's still better than, you know, being, oh my God, you know, where, what, what is, what was Susie even working on? Nobody really knows. So I think sometimes you have to have somebody that can just go in and set that up from the, from the basis in recurring, you know, so, you know, when they click it as complete, then it sets up again. And people really learn to love it because they then realize that, oh, well, if everything's really clear and organized, then, you know, maybe I'll be able to take that holiday for a week and actually not be able to not bring my laptop, for example. So it's- Right, and not, and not get home to a mess. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, just, I find that my I'm my, by putting SOPs in my business, I've been able to empower my team members to make better decisions without me because they already really know what my guidelines are and more or less what I what I'm looking for so then they can make suggestions and own things and we can further streamline the technology so I think that that's sort of partly what it is so when I typically start working with a client as an online business manager it's a lot different than coming in as a virtual assistant because I'm not really coming in to carry out a very specific task or implementing oriented type work I'm coming in to you know, make sure that the client is clear about their goals and vision and the team is really aware of, of what that is. And then looking at, okay, well, what, what, what's going on in the business? What are the, what, what's the client kind trying to achieve and how can we uh, make it so that whatever she's doing or whatever he's doing or whatever that looks like, how can we make it, how can we scale it? Right. So typically I'll come in there and I'll have a client who it's always, this is always the case, like typical, the client's got a ton of content, you know, whether it be like blogs and, and programs they've created and all kinds of stuff, but there's, it's like a complete mess. So every time they want to publish a blog or create something, some new piece of content for their business, they're like starting from scratch as opposed to, you know, checking back on stuff they've already done, or maybe republishing a blog post or improving a blog post that has a lot of SEO. They're, they're sort of like too deep in it to see what it really is. So we get in there as an OBM, I'll get in there. I'll work with the client to develop what we call in the certified OBM program, sort of this framework, the 90 day framework of what it looks like to really learn someone else's business. So as an OBM, my intention is to really get in there and essentially to a degree partner with my client because I am that much uh, emotionally invested in their business. I am that much committed to, you know, their success is my success. Like we're, we're really behind the scenes people. So I'll get in there and I will work with them to develop this 90 day plan that really is hitting on the things we need to achieve their goals, systematize, help them get out of whatever it is they're doing, which is usually managing the team. And, and I say this from the, a place of love, but most of my clients are just really not great project managers. You know, they're not good at managing projects. Yep. They are very visionary. I don't know if you're familiar with the Colby A, but if you are, they're like high on the quick start and low on the follow through. So <laughs> there's like so many things yeah. happening and yeah. nothing's getting done. Balls are dropping. And then on top of it, the team member might be disappointed with the performance on the team and is like, oh, well, you know, this so-and-so didn't do what I told them. But, you know, when you really start peeling back the layers, you're like, well, there's not really a system. And, you know, you kind of didn't give enough instruction and, you know, and so we can get in there as OBMs because it's our superpower is, you know, being a manager. It's really leadership. Get in there and lead the team, provide that. So if I if I'm like looking at a hierarchy, a lot of the times the OBM sits in between the client and the rest of the team. And I always say we're like a buffer. We're like a buffer, sometimes protecting the client from 
the, you know, from the team, you know, and themselves in a lot of ways, you know, sort of keeping them in their zone of genius, yep. you know, here, here's your zone of genius. You're very, you're visionary. You need to create, you need to do whatever it is that is usually what is making them a lot of money. And we put them in that spot where like, you stay here and we're going to manage the team. We're going to make sure that there are systems, that people know what they're doing, that people are confident about getting the task done. Because people want, you know, most people really want to do a good job. It's not like they're there to upset or disappoint. Um, and, and a lot of the times an OBM can sort of see what the business owner can't see, which is um, how to empower that team member to you know, do that job that they really love to do and, and be happy about what they're doing for the business. And, 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 and essentially, it just makes for streamlining what's already there. And then from that, then we can start looking at, okay, well, let's mix up Facebook ads. Let's, let's, now that we're all buttoned up and, and we're in rea- we're in proactive mode instead of being very reactionary on everything, you know, now we can ramp sure. up yep. Facebook ads. Now we can have 20 more people enroll in that program. Now we can actually launch on Evergreen and actually get to that and actually look properly at the metrics and see what's, what's working and what's not. Because to me, those are all systems, you know, the funnels, the team, all that stuff. Well, it's funny you mentioned content because I just read somebody had just posted, I can't remember who it was, uh, just posted a comment about what we don't need is more content. We need Mm -hmm. to repurpose the content we've got. And I've seen so many companies that have created some great content and they're on this perpetual treadmill of of creating, I think it was Neil Patel, Patel, uh, creating... I'm pretty sure that's who it was. And they keep creating more and more content. And like you said, if you took the time to build a system, say, okay, so I've got this one piece of content, how many times can I repurpose it, you know, as a blog post, as a mm-hmm. podcast, as an Instagram post, as a Facebook post, you you probably have to produce a lot less content. And you can get a lot more traction. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, and I also find that, you know, we do this with our blog, but I find that a lot of the times people don't even really look at what's actually getting organic traffic what is actually sort of SEO optimized to begin with. And let's make sure that if people are finding us digitally on, you know, on the web, when they get to my website and they land on this really popular blog, I want to make sure that that's putting my best foot forward. So I think also, you know, it's, it's about repurposing content, but also making sure that the assets that you do have really are the best. Well, and I guess part of that comes back from being organized. If you've got somebody that's organizing your content and it's getting it out through, you know, like you said, a systematized approach. Mm-hmm. Now you leave your marketing people or your owner to go in and look at things like analytics and look at the data and then make, you know, business decisions on, you know, what to do with that information instead of, you yeah, know. Or you, the OBM makes those decisions on what to do with the information. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, it, you know, that's that's new to me that, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I wasn't aware that, um, you know, an OBM had that much training to yeah. that would take so, on that role. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So, I, you know, the thing about I, the, the really interesting thing about online business managers and, and, you know, full disclosure here, I'm actually a trainer. So I've been training OBMs for the last two years. I'm, I'm certified under the International Association of OBMs. I'm one of three worldwide that can actually train these people. And, you know, the, the irony of it is, is that I'm actually a lot of the times not training them on a particular set of skills. Most of these women, and, and there are a few men, but most of these women are coming from having had 20 years in corporate of project management and 
managing huge budgets and doing all of this, you know, being the right hand to the CEO, like doing all of these very high level things. And either they decide that, you know, they want a little bit of flexibility. They want to work from home. Maybe they're a mom. I'm a mom of three. Maybe they're a mom. So, you know, for me, that's why that's my big why I want to be you know, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom, so I kind of want to give my kids that experience in living in the day, in, the, in this today's <laughs> yeah, day and age, exactly. which is not as, you know, not as possible sure. as maybe it could be. So for for most of the people that come in, they have like just the most beautiful skill set. Yeah, I mean that's 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 awesome. I mean the the other side of that too, uh, it really comes down to giving instruction because mm-hmm. that's I think that's what you you mentioned earlier. And and I know that um, uh, one of our team members at one point we were we do a lot of work in the email space and and we had some clients with some very um, large budgets, and so we just really couldn't afford to have anything fall through the cracks. And so what we ended up doing was documenting the entire process from mm-hmm. kind of client conversation to execution right through to analytics. And then the the key learning for me was not the documentation. The key learning was giving that documentation to somebody who had never done that and having them do the task to see what what we missed. So what was obvious to to us who who were executors and that we did intuitively, if we didn't document it, obviously it got missed, but we didn't realize that until we watched somebody go through the process and went, well, why aren't you doing that? And they're going, well, it's not, you know, it's nowhere in the procedures. It's like, yeah. That's right. So big, big learning curve. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's sort of like the beauty of streamlining. And then I think also, you know, so as an, as an OBM, when I, when I start working with a client, you know, I'm not going in there and like shaking up everything and, you know, sending these team members running for their money and all that stuff. I'm, I'm getting in there and I'm, I'm kind of observing at first and it's only until about the, the, you know, into the second month, third month of working together where we start to look at, okay, you know, now we've got all these systems documented. Now we can start looking back, especially in the in the places where the client feels like they're, quote unquote, bleeding money. We can look back and be like, okay, so, you know, our onboarding process, you know, we're, we're selling this really high top dollar product and, you know, our, let's streamline this onboarding process to really give the client the best experience that they can have. So that's when the fun starts to happen, when you can actually like, you know, look, like add certain nuances to systems and, 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 and put in all this stuff so that, you know, you're giving your client this experience or, you, or the team member is banging this out because half of it is automated now. And, you know, just, just looking at that streamlining piece. And that's what you're essentially what you're talking about is really streamlining the system. So I know that in looking at the, some of the information that I've got and that you had sent over, uh, one of the things you talked about were the three biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make. Do you want to share what, what those are from, from your point of view as an expert who helps them to solve these problems once they bring you in? Absolutely. So I find that, you know, the, the three mistakes people work, uh, people make with, when they are working with virtual teams is the first big mistake is I find that people really aren't clear about their goals. Um, I find a lot of the times people will look to others for clarification and the most, the people that I've worked with that have been the most successful have been really sure of what they're trying to achieve. Like they've got, they can almost taste it. And when you are really clear about your goals, we can be in proactive rather than reactive role uh, mode. And this is really, really important when it comes to hiring team members, because the last thing you want to be doing is hiring the team member that you needed on your team, like 
<laughs> three months ago or whatever. So a lot of the times people will be like, well, when's the best time to hire a team member? I'm like, if you're asking me that question, then you're probably too late. You probably should have hired somebody already. And it doesn't need to be something crazy. You could bring on a, a virtual assistant for just a few hours a month at first, you know, to help you sort of Get clear about get clear about your virtual office. Get some SOPs going around some of the really really you know low hanging tasks that can be delegated, such as scheduling out an email or even managing client care, and even to things like sales conversations. You know, having being really clear about who you need to hire because that's the person you want on your team in a year from now because you're building out. X, Y, and Z. And this year, you're, you have these three top goals. And once you hit those three top goals, well, then, you know, you're definitely going to need a, a, a stellar project manager on your team. So you're going to be looking for that project manager right off the bat. So my first, my first thing is about just do you got to be clear on your goals. Do not make the mistake of, of hiring in a react, reactionary mode or doing anything really reactionary in your business. Well, that makes sense. Not always the case, as I'm sure you see. Yeah, yeah, not always the case. I find that a lot of the times people are, you know, I think we live in, in the age of bright, shiny object. And, you know, people will, will say things like, oh, you know, I want, you know, I'm not really happy with, like, I'm an Entreport user. And I don't really like Entreport. Um, you know, I want to move over to Infusionsoft. And, and I'm just like, well, you know, why are we doing this? Are we doing this because, you know, Sally told you that she really likes, you know, Infusionsoft? Like, really, why Why are we even doing this? So <laughs> looking at looking at those reasons yeah. and, and being really clear about where we're going. Yeah, we have I have those conversations, too. And I, I sometimes I, I identify them as procrastination. I mean, exactly. there's a bigger issue at hand. So you've got a lack of sales and your lack of sales got nothing to do with your back end. It's got to do with your front end in, mm -hmm. in most cases. So switching, like you said, from Infusionsoft to whatever active campaign or entreport isn't really going to change anything. It's going to take a bunch of time, a bunch of money. It's going to pretty it's much like freeze up what you're doing. You're, yeah. So why, yeah, why, why yeah. do that? Why are we going to look for someone now that can do this migration and it's going to cost all this money? So definitely being really sure of, of, of your goals. Then I would say the second mistake people make is, is sort of what I was talking about at the beginning. It's like that communication, you know, you just, you have to organize your virtual office. You have to make it so that you're all of your team members across, you know, I'm different continents. My team's all over the world. You know, I got to make sure that no matter where my team is, they can access and we can communicate and we can have our SOPs in one communal pace. I find that this is very revolutionary for a lot of my clients because they just don't realize the power of the tools that we have. I mean, I've been in the online space for a decade already and, you know, it wasn't like this 10 years ago. And, and now it, there's so much more tools that it's almost overwhelming. But in the same token, it makes me really excited because, A, I love technology for better or worse. Like I'm the I'm like and, you know, I'm the bright, shiny object. Number one, I'm like, I got I can't even go there. I can't even try it. You know, I got to just stick with Teamwork PM. You know, I've been with it for 10 That's years. So. Yeah. But making sure that you can communicate. You know, many of my clients find that just by, you know, leveraging something like slack or and using it properly not using it as a project management tool and i know sometimes you're when, when you're in sort of when you're developing and growing sometimes you are using these things as a crutch but you know having that having all those components that i talked about those four components are going to make it so that your team could communicate that to me 
leads ultimately results in a, in a lower turnaround turnover for team members. I find so many of, of, of people running businesses in the online space have this like huge, you know, turn team, team turnover. And they're just like, well, you know, I hired this person and then she ghosted me or he went MIA and, you know, when, because I'm sort of in that world, I know that a lot of the times it's because, oh my God, the client dumped too much stuff and freaked them out, or the client wasn't really as available as they led themselves on to, to, you know, believe or whatever. So being able to communicate with your team is huge. And then I would say that my third, um, the third mistake I see people making is that they're just not leveraging the power of automation because they are techophobic or they don't recognize, or they don't really understand. So I'm like, I'm, I'm a real out of the box thinker. Like I, I'm, I'm the complete opposite for my husband. He is not techie. He does not know how to think outside of the box. He's really cut and dry. For me, I'm like, okay, we've got a system um, of onboarding and there's a whole part of this onboarding system that, you know, I'm pretty sure we can find a system that can, you know, for example, like using something like Calendly for um, scheduling meetings with clients. I, I don't, I can't even tell you how many people uh, in the online space aren't even using a calendar tool, you know, to facilitate, you know, that, that, you know, engagement with the client and making it really easy for your potential client to book that call with you. You know, so just leveraging simple, simple automation tools and, and combining that with like, you know, automating also in the sense of delegating to your team. So that to me is automation as well. But it just, it, it lets, it, for me personally, it always lets me feel really at ease to know that, you know, most of my, most of my stuff is automated. My whole sales funnel is automated. A lot of my courses run on evergreen. Um, this is sort of the beauty of automation. Yeah. And like you said, it's there. You just need to leverage it. I learned that when I started podcasting a couple mm. of years ago because I was brand new. I didn't know how to podcast. I thought, hey, this can't be that difficult. I'll buy the equipment. I'll set it up. I'm just kind of a do it yes. person and launch. And then I realized, oh, now I've got to schedule people for interviews. And how does that right. work? And I went, this is crazy. This is so much it's work. Cool so the first system. thing I did was, it is, the first thing I did was put a calendar in. And I thought, wow, why, why don't, why doesn't everybody do this? Why doesn't it do the follow-up? And then I thought, now I need to collect information from people. So that's when I put the Google form mm. in. And I get comments from people. I'm thinking, well, well, why wouldn't you do that? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm the new guy. I just don't have the cycles to to go back and forth and pick a time. And I don't have the cycles to go back and forth. Like, you know, you went in, you filled in your information. And I got all, your your website and your social media handles and your one sheet. That makes it very simple. It's a one click and all the stuff's there. Right. That was just a, I don't know, a, a necessity if I wanted to. I think it sometimes takes a little bit of time to set up. And I think that that kind of really, so I always, I always say to people, you know, I'm, I, cause I'm a real systems <laughs> gal in case you haven't noticed, but I always say to clients, like the reason why I think most people don't have their systems buttoned up and haven't really thought about things like automation and leveraging, you know, a lot of these tools that to me are really, you know, like, like breathing air. It's just because the, the amount of effort it takes to really sit down and think about a system usually requires like a three block, a three hour block of time. 
in the you know the wee hours of the morning where the house is quiet like it's like the it's like the high functioning hours of the day and in my opinion we've only got two or three of those every day and it those are the that it's that headspace where you have a chunk of time and you're focused where you can really bang out systems um, especially things around podcasts like bigger things in your business it might be about building out a course or you know having a, like how the membership site flows and all that stuff like so many things go into that thinking that it can really be off-putting for people and it's much easier to be like well you know sally uses infusionsoft so let's move from entreport to infusionsoft than being like okay let's button up our onboarding system let's sit down and think about it and look at um, how we can leverage our crm tool like if we're already using like a customer resource management tool how we can bake that in and how we can pull this energy pull this uh, information into here and and actually see a big uh, the big picture for what it is and make and then make really calculated decisions on about that and i guess part of that like you said you've got a high you know high energy high focus part of the day is finding a finding you know what works for you so when i started my podcast i need to figure out i basically just got um some big yellow post-it note sheets stuck them all over my office walls a bunch of small <laughs> post-it notes and i started writing down everything that needed to happen to to go from i'd like to have a guest to full production out the back end and then I just I just put them into buckets, so yes. it wasn't it wasn't really complicated. It was super low tech. Um, as much as I love technology, I, I still love writing notes by hand. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. for me, it was very visual. I go, okay, well, this post note clearly doesn't go on, you know, onboarding because that's going to be you know social media sharing. So that's going to go on marketing in the back end, and it worked quite simple. Didn't take lots of tech. Didn't take you know you know days and days like you said, but it did take a couple hours of looking at it, moving the pieces around to get it down. Yeah, totally. It's it's sort of I like I love those kinds of exercises. They just really thrill me because I feel like, <laughs> you know, this is getting one step closer to, you know, time away from the desk. You know, I, I, I used to when I was a solopreneur and, and for a long time, I really prided myself, especially when I was sort of transitioning because I started off in the virtual assistant world, you know, as somebody, you know, expat. Suddenly I've moved from Canada to Israel, finding myself living in a new country. So I went back to school, I, I got my MBA, and then I was like, all right, well, you know, corporate, and I want to have a family, this is not going to work for me. So I started VAing. And I just, I think that a lot of the times people really feel like it's almost like a martyr, you know, being that solopreneur is like, I can do everything. And I'm going to work 18 hour days. And I'm going to love it because I'm not, you know, I traded the nine to five for the 24 seven. And for two years, <laughs> right. I was like, this is amazing. I'm so smart, I can do everything. And then course I got you know pregnant and needed to take a maternity leave and and I mean other things probably would have happened that if if not that that would have at some point burnt me out and made me wake up and be like okay this is actually not really sustainable and you know it's been two years of working night and like 15 hour days I'd really like to take it a holiday maybe even without my my laptop so I started really like leveraging team earlier early on in my business because I was like you know this is just this is just where people need to be. They need to really look at, they need to spend the time on the systems and spend the time doing the exercises with those post-it notes. Those are the best because it's sort of like when you write them down, it connects something with your brain and it just, it's a wonderful thing. So I love that you did that, Doug. I think that that was amazing. Well, that worked for me. I mean, it might not work for everybody. So do you want to walk us through what the what an engagement with you might look like? So let's assume for a minute you've got a you got a, an entrepreneur that's got, um, you know, maybe a, a local team member or two and has got some remote 
team members. I just want our listeners to get a, a good feel for, you know, what does that new relationship look like? So I've got a team here. I've got some team, you know, overseas. Realize you get to the point where, hey, I can't, I can't do this. I can't manage the team and, and, and run the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. What does that look like for someone? Yeah, so for for someone who's who's wanting to you know work with with my team or with it with an OBM, um, it's really about I think for the client really getting clear on their own want to delegate. Right. Okay. And so I mean that's the first thing. But so I mean to 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 give you sort of what that really is is most so my 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 services always start with a strategy call. This is an opportunity for me to meet the client because, you know, we have we'll have a short discovery call. I'll get a feel for who they are, if they're a good fit for me, if I'm a good fit for them based on what their goals are and what their team structure is like and what their revenue is like. Because unlike a virtual assistant, you know, as an online business manager, I'm really focused on working with the I, I call I lovingly call them the high end client because they have a proven business model, they've got a team to manage, and they're also um, very clear about their goals and vision. So that's the kind of client I'm looking for. And then they're you know, looking for certain qualities in me as well. So then the first point of engagement would be having that, I call it the the getting down to uh, the breakthrough strategy session where we sit down together virtually. I have a very long questionnaire um, for better or worse, asking them things like, you know, what's your list size? What are your goals? You know, what, what are, what's your team like? What do certain people do on your team? What do you really like? What do you want to get off your plate? Because I find a lot of the times my clients are either trying to most of the time they're trying to kind of scale themselves out of the business. So either, you know, they they have a, a suite of different products they offer and maybe they are running services as well. But they're also a speaker or they're writing a book. So whatever I'm trying to really when I'm when I'm working with a client, I'm really trying to understand what it is that they want out of their business. So most most of the time I find that people really want time away from their business. They want time to be able to like creatively decide, engage in that mastermind, go to that conference. They want to be able to enjoy their business. So I want to, I want to really understand, you know, what is it? Is it that they want more time with their family? Is it that this holiday, are they pursuing a new business? So I'm, I'm working during that breakthrough strategy session. I'm really trying to get clear on, you know, where the client sees themselves in the business so that we can, because a lot of the times I find that despite their best efforts, they, sometimes I get into, into teams where, you know, there's like five or seven people and, you know, a whole host of them aren't even really doing necessarily what they, the, the, the business owner thinks that they're doing. So I'm, I'm kind of auditing the team. Then I'm looking, I'm, I'm trying to, to work with the client to figure out what I'm going to need to do over the next 90 days in order to help them either, you know, achieve their goal, which might be, you know, scaling themselves out of the business or streamlining a certain process and that sort of stuff. So we start with that strategy session. Then I deliver a 90-day plan. That is the really signature certified OBM type for- framework and formula. We deliver this plan and then we just kick it off. And it starts. So when we when I kick off working with a client, the first thing I'm doing is I'm auditing their team, like in the like I'm having meetings with every team member. I'm looking at the core virtual office systems and making sure that 
if something if somebody needs to go on holiday or whatever, do we have everything documented and and how how it because I find usually it takes three to six months to set up systems. So I'm, you know, I'm it's a, it's a strategy that's sort of playing in the back end, even though the, it's not at the forefront for the client. For the client, what the client's really looking for is for me to really help them with whatever it is that they feel is suffering in their business. So it might be that, you know, they've got this awesome product that they've made into an evergreen funnel and then suddenly it like flops. So, you know, looking at things like metrics and looking at things like how we're launching and how we're tracking certain things and how we're tweaking certain things. So I call that the like the places where they're bleeding money or the, you know, sort of putting like the, you know, if you imagine the bucket with all the holes, like, you know, where where are these holes and how can we start to fill this up with either, you know, taking existing team members and putting them on other things or, you know, just making it like more of a of a solid business. Um, and that's and that's the beginning of, of usually a very, very long relationship, um, because what happens is our clients find that, you know, they've suddenly got, you know, time, um, they're much healthier and happier because they have work life balance. Um, they also feel um, like they have a partner, like I, I know it because I get like, I, my, you know, even you know, my husband's also an entrepreneur and he doesn't want to listen to me talk <laughs> about my business anymore. You know, I have people on my team that I can talk to, you know, and OBM is always like a nice sounding board for strategy and ideas. And, you know, I'll always, you know, I've, I've seen the back end of so many businesses, you know, hundreds and hundreds of businesses in my day. And it's really given me leverage when it comes to like, you know, not maybe not being the digital marketer strategist, although sometimes I do consider myself a digital marketing strategist, like on my best days, but I can say to them, Hey, you know, I had another client who has a similar business model. Um, and she used this evergreen funnel where it was like webinar, you know, when we re retargeted ads to a webinar after people had opted into her list and, and, you know, maybe this is something that we can try in your business. So it's also coming at, coming at it with the confidence and the leadership to lead your client into making decisions because I find a lot of the times you know people don't really make decisions fast enough and I've and I know that the really the most successful clients I've worked with and even in my own business when I can make decisions fast and keep things trotting pushing along then I'm, I'm feeling like I'm really in control and everyone on my team has things to do and so that's the place where we try to get our clients and it's and it's unique right it's really custom for every single business out there and I always say that Typically, an OBM comes into the business when the client is making, you know, 20000 or more in revenue, in gross revenue a month and have at least one team member on their team, which you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people I come across where they're making, you know, I, I lovingly call them successful despite themselves, but they're like hitting like 40K months and they've got some like random subcontractors that they leverage here and there, but like nobody's really on their team all the time. It's just them. So that's really, there's, there's, there's that financial piece. There's the, the solid business and there's the team. That's what we're looking for. Well, that makes sense. I mean, and, and I mean, to be able to leverage someone like that to, to give the entrepreneur, the business owner, maybe a chance, like you said, to focus on something else. If they want to write a book, if they wanted to launch a podcast, if yeah. they wanted to, you know, to maybe go down um, a new trail or a, a new path and, and have the, the primary business just to continue to operate and grow while they maybe dip their toe into something else or do some speaking that's going to take them away from the office and put them in a plane. 
Right. I know if I didn't systematize the podcast, it would it would just never happen because I don't I didn't set it up as a revenue source. I set it up as a way to meet really smart people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought, and 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 I and uh, you may have caught this at a previous a previous episode, and it's a way really to to pre-interview potential vendors that I would recommend the clients. Right. So, yeah, without a system, it just wouldn't happen. So, what's some of the bad advice that you hear? So, when you're out and about, and you're out in a business setting, and people are talking about you know businesses, businesses scaling, using a VA, having a project manager, or having an online business manager, what's the bad advice that uh, that you hear? Oh, wow. I hear lots of bad advice. Hmm. That's a really, really good what, question. What's the worst? What makes you want to walk over there and slap them? Yeah, I just, hmm. You know, I find that a lot of the times it's it's the people who, you know, I, it's 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 like they don't know any better. So they're, they haven't leveraged something like a project management tool and they've, you know, they've been building their business and they haven't really considered that kind of technology because they feel like they're above it or that it's very primary. I find a lot of the times people will, you know, they don't realize that that's sort of the secret to the sanity of their team. It's not really about them. Sure. I find a lot of the times <clears throat> business owners, they just don't, it really, I, I find like overall it really irritates me when I hear people complaining about their team because I, I, I know as somebody who's been on a lot of teams and worked with, I've worked with I feel like millions of VAs in my in my day. I'm like, you know, I, I, sometimes I, at some point I would just want to say to them, I'm like, mm, you know, I think it's really a problem with you. You know, maybe you haven't really, you know, it's like maybe it's, it's not just everybody else. Maybe it has something to do with how you're managing your business. And I find yeah, people, if your whole team is bad, yeah, yeah it's like pointing back to the, the person in charge. I, like I get on calls with clients, and you know, I I, speak, I have a lot of amazing clients. And I speak to a lot of lovely people, but I do every once in a while get a client who's just really mean and sour about their team, you know, just, just really is not, not very nice. And they are talking about how, you know, balls were dropped and, and just not really taking accountability. So for me, it's like, you know, if you're going to run this business and you're going to have these big visions, like you really have to also kind of carry that out with how you manage your team as well. I mean, that's, this isn't really answering your questions. I think these are like my list of personal pet peeves, but (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. I've got a few. I mean, I got, I got some pushback when I started hiring remote team. People Mm. said, well, why would you hire outside North America? Yeah. And it was kind of like a, it was a negative thing. I said, well, you know, all the major companies around the world, like all the fortune 500 companies do that. Yeah. So if you want to look at emulating success, if they're doing that, they're doing that for a reason. And then we get the feedback of, well, can you can you trust remote employees? Will they really work? Mm-hmm. And and what I what I noticed very quickly was I said, you know, uh, you'd be embarrassed to know the the sometimes the conversations I have with my remote team. It's like, hey boss, my husband's taking the kids away for the weekend. I'd like to finish the project you gave me this week. It's like, no, the deadline's next week. Oh no, it's okay. I want to do it this week. I said that never happens to me in North America. I don't get yeah. staff pinging me on Slack on the weekend saying, Hey, I'd like to get this project finished up three days early. It's like, no, don't, don't do that. So, you know, that was the, <laughs> that, that was initially the feedback. And, and I just think people have given up on, on trying to tell me it's a bad idea and they've moved on to something else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just, so I, two, so two, two questions and I'll let you go back to um, serving, uh, serving your customers. One is who's one podcast guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast. Hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I, you know. And I've already had Adam on the podcast. So you can't yeah. say Adam. I think, you know, I really like um, Claire Pelletro. She's got a 
she's got a badass podcast herself called the Get Paid Podcast. And she she would be a really great person for you to connect to. She is a Facebook ads consultant and has created courses around Facebook ads. And she has an incubator where she actually trains. If you, like you probably think all my friends are Facebook ads people. <laughs> but she's, I mean, she's just very, very smart and very, you know, up in digital marketing. I, I met her way back when at... Uh, traffic and conversions in San Diego like five years ago or something like that. She's, she's pretty awesome. Well, cool. I'll make sure we connect with her. If you'd like to make an introduction, I'd really yeah, appreciate I would. That. I'd love to. And now the most important question of the whole podcast, how can people connect with you, reach out and uh, learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to find me is, of course, anywhere on social media. But I've actually created a really awesome little thing for your listeners for the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. And it's over at serenokedcom forward slash RMRF. And what that also has there is it's my SOP template. So I have I actually have my whole onboarding SOP documented and I, you know, lovingly give this away because I think people really need to like not think that systems are boring. (laughs) (laughs) So I I literally say, use this SOP to overcome that unsexy block you have against starting systems. (laughs) (laughs) So you can finally begin scaling your business. There you go. Well, hey, I mean, maybe systems, if you framed it differently, it would be sexy. If you if you have systems in place, you could spend more time with your spouse or partner. Right. That that could be sexy. Go on a holiday. That, that, go for dinner. Go have a bottle yeah. of wine without the, without the sleep, kids. Go to sleep at nighttime without <laughs> without having a piece of paper next to your bed because like every five seconds, you're like, oh my God, did I, did I remember to follow up with that person? Oh my God, did I remember that uh, we need to schedule a broadcast tomorrow? So you know, that's not sexy in my mind. No, absolutely not. That kind of ruins the mood to say, leave, leave the talk of finance and business out of the bedroom. Right. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking time today. I know for you, it's probably a lot easier than most of my guests because you're organized and you have systems. So you could easily fit this interview into your schedule. So I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. So thanks so much. So there you go, listeners. I hope you took notes. Um, Sarah, as you can hear, is a very high energy person. I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed the pace of the conversation. This is one podcast. I won't have to listen to it one and a half speed. I need to slow it down. So I've got a page of notes. Uh, we're going to make sure that this conversation has been transcribed. We'll make sure that all of her contact information in the show notes. I'd really encourage you to, to look at her website and sign up for her material. Like I shared at the very beginning of this episode, I've been on her list for a while now. I'm super excited. I love the content that she sends out. It's absolutely amazing. And I'd highly recommend that you go over there and check it out. So thanks for tuning in. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers, as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time. We look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.